What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Tug Life Podcast. It's the podcast where you don't know when it's going to show up. I don't know when it's going to show up. I'm, I'm hoping that in 2022, it's my goal to make a few more of these. But this is just a chance for me to get my thoughts out. Um, I had a request from some people on social media to talk about the events of the sports weekend. So thanks for tuning in. It's Tug Life. Lots to talk about. As I tweeted out the other day, I think it's one of the great weekends of the year. It's become, with the change of the NFL schedule, to being one of the great sports weekends of the year. We had two conference finals in the NFL. We had some big basketball games that didn't pan out to be that exciting. They moved the PGA golf tournament to Saturday night finish. Big time event at uh, Torrey Pines, Farmers Insurance Open, a classic. The Australian men's and women's final. My son's t-ball game, as I said, big game. I think they came up short. They don't have, they don't keep score in these games. They're just learning how to play. So I kept score because I'm very uh, obsessive, and we need to get better. And I'm gonna talk to my son about that. But huge sports weekend. And let's start off with the NFL. We're gonna get to the other events too. There's also the qualifying. For World Cup, USA versus Canada, which I also watched today. Lots to get into. Let's get into the NFL. The NFL continues with exciting games. We've now have six exciting games in a row after a wild card weekend a couple weeks back, which were all duds. Everything's been dramatic. Whether it's been high quality, some games yes, some games no. But we have the Cincinnati Bengals meeting the Los Angeles Rams in the Super Bowl. So Super Bowl's at SoFi Stadium in L.A., so um, who, who knows? Will L.A. Rams have the home field advantage? There are a lot of Niners fans at the game today, game tonight. So what is usually a neutral feel Super Bowl? I don't know. How well is Bengals fans, are Bengals fans going to travel? Will L.A. finally get up to support a football team in the, in the winter? I mean, we're getting behind it, but... To still have a, a, a silent count in your home stadium does not bode that well for our fan base. I say us. I'm, I'm an hour now, guys. I'm going in on the Rams here. I don't buy, I don't own any football jerseys. I find it odd to wear another person's name on my back. But I will buy a Cooper Cup jersey if I need to. I've watched every game he's played this year. I've watched every Rams game. He's been incredible. Had two touchdowns tonight. Some big third down catches. The thing I want to get to, and there's really three points throughout today's and yesterday's events with the PGA concluding on Saturday. I'm fascinated by the psychology of sports, and I thought there was some very critical moments that could have gone either way in certain sporting events, and I want to look closer at those. Let's start with the games I watched in reverse order. The Rams and Niners game. game was kind of sloppy. Not everyone playing up to their, their best but um, the Niners, despite looking kind of shaky, were up 17-7 and up 17-14. And then we get into these critical moments again where, where Shanahan kind of questions himself. And we see him decide to punt a fourth and two on the Rams' side of the field. They take a delay of game to go to fourth and seven. But not before McVay, Sean McVay, the coach of the Rams, tries to challenge a clear non-fumble. And not only that, it's Sean McVay and the Rams' last timeout of the second half. They get, they're out of timeouts with 10 minutes to go in the fourth quarter. So if you were to look back at like, the coaching highlight tape, neither of these performances are going to be in the highlight reel for coaching of the year. 
it's so funny to watch these guys in their journey because they were coaches together for Washington. The, the story is sort of well-tread. I think they're very good coaches, but in, in pivotal moments, we see these things uh, where, where these coaches get a little too conservative. Both of these guys have a tendency to be conservative with their fourth down plays, but Shanahan in particular does it again, punts three times on the Rams' side of the field, decides to punt even though McVay calls a timeout to challenge a fumble, which was not even close to being a fumble. Shanahan lines up, takes a delay game, punts. I think it goes 20 yards. The Rams score on that possession, and the Niners don't have another positive yard play, at least in my notes, the rest of the game. So the Rams go to the Super Bowl. And to me, you have too many weapons. You have Kittle. You have great running backs. You have Debo. Fourth and two feels so gettable for the 49ers. So I think that's something that's going to eat on that team for the next year. I mean, Jimmy G is probably not going to be on the team. Didn't play that well to close the game. Hasn't played that well. You know, they're surviving on great defensive play. Didn't score an offensive touchdown against Green Bay last week. So that was one thing that sticks with me. That It's that... Yes, there was the Tart dropped interception. Jalen Ramsey dropped one in the next series. But that decision by the coach, I think, really, really, really hurt the Niners. Let's move over to the next game, which is the surprise of the day, the Cincinnati Bengals upending perennial favorite from Kansas City. And I was very interested to watch Kansas City play today because I didn't know if they would have a letdown moment to start the game against uh, after beating the Bills, which has been a thorn in their side the past couple of years, at least competitively, that maybe there'd be a moment or two, which we've seen in the playoffs of the past, where they get behind and have to come back. There was no rust. There was no sluggishness. They came out and scored three touchdowns in the first half. You all know the moment I'm talking about. There's two moments, actually, in this game. And they're both at the end of halves for Kansas City. One, the decision to not kick a field goal up 21-10, to run another play deep, in Cincinnati's territory with 13 seconds left and then nine seconds left. They decide to run plays, not in the end zone. They complete a pass in territory as time runs out and don't get any points. They have a chance to go up two scores. They don't do it. I don't understand. I, the, the way I heard on the on the call, Andy Reid brought in the, the kicking team. Pat Mahomes waved them off and wanted one more shot and it didn't work out. So to me, that was an interesting play. And then finally, they drive the – moving forward – they're down three. They end up being down three late in the game. Drive the ball down the field. But Tony Romo was very good in this game. I know there's been some criticism on Tony Romo. This is my t- uh, TC minute. I thought he was very good in basically predicting how the game would play out at the end of regulation with Kansas City trying to use the last six minutes of the game to run out the clock and score a touchdown. I thought that was, I thought that was well said. And they had a chance to do that. They were first and goal at the five. They run the ball for one yard. Mahomes gets sacked, and then Mahomes gets sacked again and fumbles, and they have to kick like a 45-yard field goal with time running out. I thought Mahomes, I love Mahomes. It's another jersey I would buy if I bought jerseys. I didn't love his game today. I thought there was a lot of dancing around. I thought you know, kudos to the Cincinnati Bengals defense for stepping up and shutting down Tyreek uh, in the second half. Kelsey wasn't as dominant as he was in the second half. I mean, they only gave up three points in the second half to the vaunted Kansas City offense. But I thought those decisions at the end of the game, I mean, I don't want to call it arrogance, but it's the exact same position they were in week, I want to say 17, against Cincinnati. In Cincinnati, they were up 11 at halftime, squandered a lead, and ultimately lost to the Bengals. The exact same scenario happened again today. 
There's themes. Themes running around on this sporting event today. These sporting events. Which is you have to shut the door on people. You have to snuff the candle. And if you don't, you leave the slight possibility of them winning, coming back. And it happened multiple times today. It happened in tennis. It happened in both football games today. And so the one comeback I didn't see today was the one I wanted the most, which was USA versus Canada. But we'll get to that in a minute. So anyway, I'm looking at these small pivotal moments in each game. And I was just, I really thought it came down to a little bit of arrogance with Kansas City. I thought that they were just maybe, there's too much belief in themselves that, that they, they have the firepower and the talent to overcome things. And, and they do, until they don't. Today was the, the game that, where they came up short. So improbably, I guess we shouldn't be saying that because the Bengals just beat them a couple weeks ago. But they were seven-point underdogs, and they found a way. And it shows you why you need a, a, you know, a franchise quarterback. The Bengals, two wins two years ago, now going to the Super Bowl to play the Rams. So amazing games. All we can ask for, all we hope for is one more great game in the Super Bowl in two weeks. Okay, now we're getting to USA. Canada, very disappointing game if you're, if you're a USA fan. Coming off, which I thought was a lackluster win against El Salvador, but we need the points. We have one more run of three games in March. We need about – we need six points. We need minimum two wins. We got a win, game coming up later this week. Thought we'd be up for Canada. Give up a sloppy first goal and just never really recovered. Even though we showed a lot of possession in the game – just never really threatened. I mean, there's two opportunities. We had a nice header in the first half with a great save by the, the uh, sweat-panted goalie of Canada. <laughs> and um, we, had a, we relied on a bicycle kick to try to give us a shot late, late, in, the, late in the game. But uh, we'd lose 2-0. I think we're just trying to figure it out. There's a lot of talent on this team. I just don't, I just don't know. Pulisic is not in, in perfect form right now. He's, I know he's struggling at Chelsea. Continues to find his way with the national team. We're just missing that striker. We had a lot of hope in Pepe. Pepe's in a little bit of, you know, he's 18 to 18 years old. You know, he's, in, in this, he's living in Germany, trying to figure himself out as a person. So we're just missing that. We, we haven't found a way to solve that Dempsey hole yet. We're a person that we know we can get confidence. If we get the ball on their foot, that we really have a chance to score. And also, this is a problem for the last, as long as I've watched U.S. soccer, bad starts. Bad starts kill the U.S. I think we only have two goals in CONCACAF games in the first half. Just always been sluggish, it feels like, with these uh, U.S. national teams, men's I'm talking about. And that trend continues. So Canada looks like they're well on the way to the World Cup. Hopefully we'll join, but very disappointing game. Still trying to figure out lineups. Zimmerman didn't play today. Still trying to figure out what the roster or what the starting lineup looks like. Super subs. I'm hoping for something, but today... It left a, a, a bad taste in my mouth and a lot of fans' mouths, I'm sure. I'm going to save the best for last, which is, which is tennis. Uh, the Farmers was awesome. Tory Pines, I've played it. They had their podcast I've done about this show. I've talked about that. Golf course, it's always fun to play course where the pros play. People in the, go- the golf nerddom don't love the course. One thing you can say about this course, it always brings drama. There's always a lot of cream rising to the top. Tournament's always good. This was no different. A lot of people had chances to win, including John Rahm, who won the U.S. Open there last year, Justin Rose, Jason Day. Nice to see Jason Day back in form. But Luke List gets the win, and it was great. I mean, he, he finished early with a 66, has to wait for the playoff 
with Will Zalatoris. Will Zalatoris looked like he was going to win, but uh, his putting, you know, he's got some, he's working on the putting hard, but man, you've watched that putting stroke sometimes and it is tough to watch, but he's an unbelievable ball striker. So hopefully he'll, and he's an awesome dude. He seems like an awesome kid, 25 years old, hopefully finds a way. Luke List meets him in a playoff, birdies the first hole. Justin Rose has a chance to to, to get to 15 under to tie the, and get into the playoff, hits into the water. Rom misses a putt on 18, tries to do what he does in the U.S. Open, birdie 17 and 18, can't do it on 18. Jason Day dunks it from like 109 yards on 14 and does what I did when I had a hole-in-one back in October, which is just sort of get on a, such a high that you just kind of lose your focus. And I think he went par, bogey, bogey, par. He, he, just, he, he just lost a little focus. But it's awesome to have Jason Day back in the mix. Great tournament and a lot of debate on whether we like the Saturday night finish for, for golf. I'm, uh, I was into it, especially with football all day, soccer, Aussie tennis. Let's talk about the tennis. Now, if you know me, you know I am a Roger Federer fan, and I roll Roger. It's tough for me to see someone get more majors than Roger Federer, even though I know Roger and Rafa, uh, Rafael Nadal have a bromance. Uh, I do um, have a lot of respect for Rafa. I mean, he's an ultimate champion, and, um, but it's tough to watch uh, number 21 go to Rafa. I'm sure there'll be more. He'll win another French or two. Djokovic, I'm sure, is going to win four or five more. So they're going to put Roger in the rear view. Roger's my favorite player. Do I think he's the greatest player of all time? I don't. Not now. You know, if you look at so many of the championships that he's won, the majors that he won, it really was in the early stages of Rafa's and Novak's career, one of the greats of all time. But the greatest debate really moves on with Rafa and, and Novak. An incredible performance, a performance for the ages I mean, he played uh, Daniil Medvedev in the Aussie final. Medvedev was a slight favorite, like almost two to one favorite, and came out rocking. You know, six two in the first. A little bit of scuffle in the second sets, but he wins at seven six. You can start to see Rafa trying to figure things out. I compared this fight, <laughs> I compared this match to boxing. Uh, I was thinking of Rumble in the Jungle, and I was thinking of. Sugar Ray Leonard versus Marvin Hagler. Rumble in the jungle because it had a little sense of rope-a-dope to me. And two, I thought with the Sugar Ray-Marvin Hagler match, I thought it was, to me, Marvin Hagler was the better fighter coming into that. And Sugar Ray just found ways to sort of craft out the win in that match. I also think, I'm just putting metaphors together. You know the guy, the old man who plays basketball at the YMCA? Rafa had a bit of that today. He was putting everything. He was throwing the kitchen sink at Daniil. Drop shots, different paces, trying to play slow, slow, so slow between points. Anything to frustrate Daniil. And I think it worked. The crowd really got into Daniil, really frustrated Daniil. Daniil is known as being a tactical genius, but I think there is, I'm watching a lot of these young players, and I just feel like what I need to see is emotional maturity mixed with tactical prowess you know you you have to snuff out the candle the same thing with rafa against rafa critical moment we talked about it with shanahan talked about any reed the third one i'm thinking about third set daniel medvedev is up three two and has triple break point to go up four two basically shut down the match against rafa doesn't do it doesn't do it 
Triple break point, up two sets to love, really has a chance to shut it down and can't get it done. And he just lets the door open and just enough, and Rafa never quits. I mean, the, the thing you can say about Rafa is just relentless desire. And it's really impressive to watch. And for me, Daniil, I think just got a, he got a little fatigued. And so when that happens, I think of Peter, this, this quote that Peter Costas, the great golf announcer, talked about a lot when he watched people play golf. And he said, under stress, the first thing that goes is decision-making. And I thought that Medvedev got stressed. He got annoyed with the fans being so heavily on Rafa's side. And I think he got tired. And so that's just a cocktail of anxiety, stress, fatigue, annoyance that causes bad decision-making. I thought you saw that with a change of play in the last two and a half sets where he started to use... It just doesn't seem like he was thinking it all the way through, right? He was using drop uh, shots way too many times, and they weren't quality drop shots. He would try to hit big shots when he didn't need to. He wasn't trying to carve out points. And you could just see Rafa just, you know, <laughs> another, another phrase you like, I like to use when you're playing, but you, you just you choke on people's aura sometimes. The aura of greatness, of, of playing a legend, you just get sucked into it. And I feel like Daniil got sucked into it a little bit. And even though their ESPN was showing probabilities of the players to win a match, and Daniil was like a two to one, oh no, even more than that, like sixty six percent favorite to win, even in the fifth set, it never felt like that when you're watching it because Rafa just was finding a way to kind of carve into what Daniil was able to do. And once where there were these long points that were happening, you could see Daniil just making them shorter and shorter. And so it's a huge achievement, the first of twenty one. Majors for Rafa. I mean, Rafa's celebration was in- incredible because it was full of exhaustion. And it was like one of those moments where he didn't know whether to laugh or cry. And he just smiled. It was really, it was like watching a kid uh, just really have a second chance. I mean, he, just, he had surgery recently, had a bout of COVID, didn't know if he would be playing again. So really incredible match. We're not putting an asterisk by it because, you know, Novak wasn't there. And it turned out to be a great tournament. Despite all the hoopla and the hubbub and the news with Novak, you know, is he going to play? Willie Woney, Ashley Barty from Australia wins the women's side. Nadal plays Medvedev in a classic. Kyrgios from Australia wins the doubles with his Australian partner. Turned out to be an extremely successful event of tennis. And as, as Rafa said a couple weeks ago when he was asked about Novak, he said, tennis is bigger than any one of us. And it showed that today. Like, the sport rolls on. So... Begrudging congrats to Rafa, Rafa fans, my friend Tom Skapars, who's a big Rafael Nadal fan. Amazing to watch. Um, it reminds me when Federer got Nadal in the fifth <laughs> at Australia in 2017, but incredible achievement. Daniil's is so funny to watch play. I mean, he's so awkward, you know, and so lanky. He moves so well for a guy who's 6'6", causes so many problems. I mean, all the things that I thought Daniil would do, he did in the first set. You know, he... Hits a great backhand down the line, which happens to be lefty-righty, so it happens to be into Nadal's backhand. It's like a perfect setup. Anything that raises high with you know Rafa's big topspin forehands is perfect for a 6'6 guy. Of course, Rafa's smart. He figures this out. Starts to go flatter, heavier, harder, You know, serves harder. So, I mean, he's the best. He's the best for right now. So, 
Anyway, I, th- I think about those three moments. I think about the Shanahan fourth and two punt. I think about the end of the first half and second half for Kansas City. And I think of the 3-2 in the third set. Triple break point opportunity for Daniil Medvedev. Not capitalized. And we think about this, the psychology and, and emotion and, and how all these things play into sports. I mean, you even see that. I mean, Rafael had a chance. Rafael Nadal had a chance to serve out the match. He's won 20 times, 20 majors at uh, 5-4 in the fifth, and he gets broken. You can see people get tight. It's very, I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's comforting <laughs> to, see, to see people at the, the height of heights still become human and get nervous. It makes you feel, it makes, at least it makes me feel better that these things can happen to me too. So amazing weekend of sports. Amazing weekend of people trying to climb the mountaintops of their, of their professions and us uh, tagging along. I'm just going to see if I have any stats, any tug nugs that I've left behind. One quote I liked from Rafa when he beat uh, Berrettini in the semifinals, he says, we need to suffer, we need to fight. And um, suffer is sort of an unusual translation of what he's thinking, but I like that idea. So that stuck with me. Yeah. Final moments. Um, looking forward to the Super Bowl. I want to see the Rams win. I mean, the lines, I think the line came out as three and a half. That's not. That's basically a pick'em to me. And they and then and so the Bengals are are playing well. So who knows? I mean, this could be this could be a Joe Burrow winning the Super Bowl. I don't know. Maybe I'll come out uh, next week with some predictions. All right, that's it. That's that's me wanting to talk about the sneaky greatest sports weekend of the year. It's the end of January. Thanks to everyone for listening to the show. Hopefully, we'll be back soon. Uh, have a great week, and we'll see you later. Boom. Boom. Boom.